0: Amen. How are you guys doing today? It was a great time of worship. Let me just tell you, we have celebrated the greatness of God today and, and I'm just overwhelmed with what God has already done through the, through the worship team and through Brother Tyler's song. Just an amazing morning, and we are so very, very grateful. And we're glad that you're here. Thank you for coming. Here we are, mid in the summer. Great crowd today. We're just so glad that you are here today. And I really pray that you'll take something home. There'll be something given. Already you should have something that you can take home. Um, But I hope through the Word of God also we can give you something that you can take home and apply to your life And uh, as you journey out through life. And you don't know what this week holds. We don't know, do we? And and hopefully you'll get something today you can take on that will prepare you to not only just survive, but to thrive um, in life as God directs your paths this week. So we are genuinely glad um, that you are here. We are in the midst now. We're actually, you know, you know how they always call you know Wednesday is hump day, over the hump day, you know. And here we are. Now this is this is like one lesson over the middle of this series on the Baptist Faith and Message, what we believe and why we believe that. So before we know it, this thing's gonna be history. And I've really enjoyed teaching it to you. I hope you're getting something again that you can apply um, to your life. Well, today we're going to talk about the kingdom. The kingdom. And several people picked up on the tie. I, I thought it was very good. I was torn. Um, I think it was John G. Calgary gave me a tie one time that has the Lord's Prayer on it, and it had Thy Kingdom Come. And that was that's part of the deal. And so I almost wore that tie, but then I saw this one, and I think they gave us gave me this one, or 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 Janet Sullivan, one of them, gave me one that says, In the beginning, of God, but it shows the world. And and the idea is, and you notice we changed the song. I changed the song this week, you know, from our video to the king of the world. You're the king of the world. And I really want to just drive that home, the greatness today of God, that truly he is the king of the world. Well, we were having a discussion. David Higgs and I were having a discussion about two weeks ago, and it was about worship and about songs. And, And I want to tell you, I left the room that day just really... Overwhelmed with respect for David and how much effort he puts into each song you know in, in my in my thinking and the way I would do worship probably is I'd pick you know songs that we like to sing you know and and pick those and he was explaining how he really you know analyzed each song and made sure that that his heart and his conscience knew that this is what what God wanted that day. I think that's very appreciative. You heard that, I think, today in the songs we're talking about the greatness of God. You heard several references to that, Brother Tyler song, about the greatness of God. That's not accidental. That's the working of the Holy Spirit, and that's a team working together to try to make sure we... we present uh, a whole picture of of what God's trying to say today. But anyway, part of that discussion was he he was talking about a song uh, that he was still working through, or whether we should sing it here at Dorsville or not, and he said something, I said something, and then he said, words matter. Words matter. And that really resonated with me, because it's exactly true. Words do matter. Whether Whether it be something I say here, or something we sing, words do matter. So, with that thought, I'm going to go into a little bit of a discussion. Now, keep in mind, I've adjusted the message for a long introduction, so don't think I'm chasing a rabbit somewhere and have no point. I really wanted to nail down the idea that words matter because because it really matters when we talk about the kingdom. It really matters when we talk about the kingdom. Now, now last week, if you remember correctly, we um, were in Matthew chapter 16, and we paused and talked about... A very important word in the New Testament. And that word was the word church in Matthew chapter 16. When Jesus said, you know, you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church. And we kind of paused and talked about that. And I explained to you that historically the word church, um, that they they translate the the Greek word and they use the word church. That word is a German word, okay, and it's from the word kirch church and we got our English word church okay and then and so from that and with that we talked about the fact that that really isn't exactly what Jesus was saying but it's a word that we've grown up with um, for centuries that word has been used to, to symbolize to, to translate what Jesus said when he said I will build my church now unfortunately the German word means a house of worship It means a house of worship. And it's amazing how that has transferred on through the ages. And whenever we hear the word church, one of the first things that pop into our brain is not what the New Testament word means, but what the German word kirch means, a house of worship. So I've got several slides today. I'm really challenging who's ever on the computer today. Now, again, as you look at this picture, you recognize that, don't you? It's the doors filled bad, this church. And I like to say we meet on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights. Right there dead centered That was our sanctuary for so long. And uh, it still is on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights. We meet under the steeple. And then over here to the left, my left, I'm not sure which way is your way, but to my left, you know, we got the connector wing there where, where we have our Sunday school classes. And then that big white building is where we are right now. It's our worship center. It's our multi-ministry building. God just allowed us to be used this thing so many different ways. What you can't see is the, the wonderful kitchen that we have that we use to, to fellowship with. But we also use it to minister to people. Um, we did during the, the great flood and through the tornado and the teams that were here. We've used it for ministry so many times. And, of course, a fellowship hall that connects to that, which also is very important because Acts chapter 2 makes it clear that fellowship is a part of the family of God. So, so that is the Doorsville Baptist Church. But now, use that next slide. Uh, is that Nancy back there? Patty. Who is it? Hi, Patty. How are you doing? It's good to see you back there. Yeah, but more accurately, I want you to see this. This is, this is what I want you to see. That, that is not Dorisville Baptist Church. That is Dorsfield Baptist Church building. Okay? That's Dorsfield Baptist Church building. It's our campus. It's our facility. It's our place of worship. But I want you to understand emphatically that when, when, when we say Dorisville Baptist Church, that when we're talking about the New Testament, it's not some brick and mortar or metal building that we meet in. Doorsville Baptist Church is so much more than that. So we could say Dorsfield Baptist Church building, but what is the church? Well, uh, Patty, show them back there. So what is the church? What is Dorsfield Baptist Church? Well, Doorsville Baptist Church is a group of people, and this is from last year's Bible school, it's a group of people that meet in the summer. Um, during, while a lot of us are at work and we have what we call Vacation Bible School and people, sometimes they take vacation and sometimes they're already off but we have a huge staff that shows up here and we run like 150, 60 kids plus staff um, in Vacation Bible School and that is Dorisville Baptist Church. Now show the next slide there, Patty. Now there's also this group. Now this group of people, that happens to be the staff of our Mercy Center. And every Tuesday, every Tuesday from 10 to 2 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, and I think that's mostly all the staff, they, they're up there in the, in the upper gym, okay, back over here, and they open that building up, and they, they serve people with clothing and some household goods and things like that. And guess what? That is Dorsville Baptist Church. Not on a Sunday, but on a Tuesday. All right, what's the next slide, Patty? Now, this picture is a picture from Africa, and it did occur several years ago, but I could have easily have chosen a picture from last January. But here we are, and this happens to be in Mali, And I don't know if you recognize, but your pastor is one guy there, and the lady in the blue is the pastor's wife. So it's Dwayne and Judy, and we're in Mali, and we're praying for people. In fact, right after this, we pray for a man who's demon-possessed. So here we are now. Now we're in Mali, West Africa, but guess what? It's Dorisville Baptist Church, and away from this facility, but it's still Dorisville Baptist Church. Okay, Patty, in the next one. Now, this is um, his table. It's occurring on a Thursday night, and you'll probably recognize several people in that line. Uh, my vision is not quite that good. I hope it's bigger on your screen, um, but I know Tim Darty's one. I think Jenny's one, and I think Benham might be the other. I'm not sure. I can't really see, but anyway, this occurs on a Thursday night at another church's building, First Baptist Church building, but it's Dorsfield's night to be the church. And so it is Dorisville Baptist Church. So while we are grateful for our facility, I'm really trying to nail down for you that this is Dorisville Baptist Church building, but the church is so much more. The church is so much more. And that's where we go back to Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 16. Because he said, you are Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church. And that word church there is the word ekklesia. Now, you should remember this from last week. You need to know this. It's the word ekklesia, and it has nothing to do with a building. It has to do, and literally means, a called-out group, called-out ones, a called-out assembly. And so when Jesus said, I will build my church, he said on that truth that he was the Christ, the son of God, he was going to gather his people. He was going to call his people out. And that is the New Testament definition of the word we translate church. And that's a fine translation. But I want you to really get in your mind when you see that word church in the New Testament, when you see to the church of Ephesus, to the church of Laodicea, to the church at Corinth, to the church at Philippi, he's not writing those letters and he's not talking about a building. He's talking about the people of God. Words matter. Words matter. That's so important. You know, see churches today... We put so much emphasis on building. That's why I'm teaching this, by the way. I really want you to understand who you are. Who you are. You're not a building. You're a gathering of people. But we do put so much emphasis on buildings. I, I know of a, a church not too far from here that when they built their building, they made sure that their steeple was high, the highest point in Marion. Oh, So they, well, you might figure out which church it was now. All right. But they want to make sure that their, that was the highest thing in Marion. So they measured it up and made sure a very big emphasis on building. Nothing wrong with having an emphasis on building. We put an emphasis on this building in a good way. Okay? But just don't think that the building is the church. Understand that people make up the church. People are the ecclesia. Now, how does that tie in? Dwayne, why did you take our time today to tie that in? Because words matter. Words matter. And here's how it matters. When Jesus said, okay, thy kingdom come, we taught us to pray... When Jesus talks about the kingdom of God is at hand in modern English language, okay? when we think kingdom, we think different things. For instance, when we think about kingdom, and Patty, now it's about time for the next slide, we think about Queen Elizabeth. By and far, Queen Elizabeth is the best-known monarch in the world. shes I think she's 90 years old now. She's been reigning a very long time. Okay, But when we think kingdom, we think earthly kingdoms. When we think even with the kingdom of God, we somehow, how does that fit in? What does that mean? And we think about what we know. And what we know is there's a kingdom that Judy and Nan are going to. Okay, And the queen there is Queen Elizabeth. Okay, Now, not, not too far from now, there's going to be a new ruler in England. And that is going to be Prince Charles. Prince Charles, I think in a year or two, if she's still alive, the queen is going to, here we go, abdicate her, ah, ask me if I looked it up and tried to pronounce it, you're right, abdicate, she's going to vacate her throne and turn it over to her son, Prince Charles. So then, then England's going to have not a queen But a king. And that's what we think about with kingdoms. We think about queens and we think kings. And of course, queens and kings have to have... A palace. That's exactly right. And so they have Buckingham Palace. And we think about that. Kingdoms have palaces. That's what kingdoms do. That's what kingdoms are. And kingdoms have a landmass. A landmass. And so if you will throw up that map. There you go. There's a map of England and that area over there. And and again, they have a landmass. Now here's the deal. This is why this is so important. This is why I've taken the time to do this. The earthly kingdoms and god 's kingdom are nothing alike, are nothing alike, just like just like the word in, in the New Testament Ecclesia really doesn 't mean anything to do with a building okay so so earthly kingdoms has nothing to do Okay, with God's kingdom. There's really not a parallel. In fact, Judy asked me, I was telling her about the illustration I was going to use to open the sermon about how we have a queen and we have a king, we have a palace and we have a landmass. mass. Okay, and she goes, well, what pictures do you have for the kingdom of God? And I really struggled with that because they're so different. They're so different. Um, I, I came up with this. I thought this was interesting. The kingdom of God. And, and you'll, if you look really underneath there, under the kingdom of God, I think that's really supposed to re- represent not a city on earth, but to represent the new Jerusalem. I think that's the idea. So, so the kingdom in that sense. And, of course, the crown there represents the king that we do have, and that's the eternal king, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I had that. And then I found this picture. And again, that's a picture of Jesus. Now, we don't know what Jesus looked like, okay? So get past that. But but it's a picture of of, a figure uh, representing Jesus who is teaching. And if you you think about Jesus' ministry on earth, okay, that's kind of what the kingdom looked like then. Okay? Um, and then this last picture is one that, that, again, someone drew. It's not, I have no biblical basis for it, but it shows Jesus in his glory as, as, as the ruler. And we see all these different soldiers from all the different ages. There's a Confederate guy there, there's knights kneeling there, all kinds of soldiers, and they're all kneeling in allegiance to the true king. So I'm not sure. I know this. Any picture I would throw up there representing the kingdom of God would be inadequate. It would be inadequate. But I do like what uh, Dallas Willard said and in a quote. And go ahead and throw that up there, please, Patty. He said, Jesus is the human face on the kingdom of God. And that's accurate. That's biblical. Jesus is the human face on the kingdom of God. He makes it the kingdom of concretely accessible that is so true so when we think about kingdoms then think about this think about any earthly kingdom is temporary okay and yet every earthly well there's only one eternal kingdom and it is eternal you know there's a time there's a time when the united kingdom england you know they said the sun never sets on the british empire And what they were saying was, Britain had all kind of territories all around the world. And wherever you were in the world, the sun was shining on some part of the British Empire. No longer true. No longer true. Because earthly kingdoms are temporary. But God's kingdoms are eternal. And I'm glad to report to you today... That the sun never sets in God's kingdom. <laughs> Come on, that's a good play on words. That's a good play on words. The sun never sets in God's kingdom. Um, you could say in earthly kingdoms that there's a limited rule. I think it's kind of funny, I hope you realize this, that the Queen and Prince Charles, when he becomes the king, really has virtually no power, they're figureheads. You know, Britain is run by the, the Parliament and the House of the Commons, okay, and the Prime Minister. You know, really, they're figureheads. They have such limited power. However, with God's kingdom, there's unlimited rule. They have, you know, in the in, in, in British Empire, there's limited rule. And, and with God's kingdom, there's unlimited rule. Along with that, in the British Empire, the queen or king has limited power. But God's power is unlimited. And of course, any earthly kingdom, any earthly kingdom, any earthly kingdom is sinful by nature. And God is nothing but holy by nature. So you see how different they are? You see why it's so important as believers now. Now listen, if you're a Christ follower, you understand why it's so important you get a hold of this? Because it's so, it impacts how you serve God and how you see God. That's why words matter. Words matter. Now again... I'm going, to take a, I'm going to take a risk, okay? I read an article today on what to do if you lose your audience while you're preaching. So I'm going to run a risk. I'm going to read a short paragraph. I hope I don't lose you. Um, but it's from the Baptist Faith and Message 2000, what they, part of what they say about the kingdom. So it's about seven or eight lines. So, so don't think we're, we're dead in the water for too long. But, it, but it, what it says is important, okay? Here's what the Baptist Faith and Message says about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God includes, includes both... His general sovereignty over the universe. Okay. So it includes his general reign. God's reign over the entire universe. And if there's beyond the universe. Beyond that includes that. And his particular kingship over men who willfully acknowledge him as king. So there's the general sovereignty of God. And the particular kingship of every person who is willing to acknowledge him as God and as king it goes on and says this particularly now this is important particularly the kingdom is the realm of salvation the realm of salvation unto which men enter by trustful i like this word childlike commitment to jesus christ so this morning, when we're going to we're going to talk about the kingdom, and like I say you're not going to get everything on your sermon sheet. We may transfer it to the night. We'll just have to see. But by have I got planned, what we're going to do. So so don't freak out. Okay. So so we're going to look at first off, and the big picture is you know. God's general sovereignty. And that's why Tyler's song and so many of the songs we sang today are just so important. I hope you'll remember some of the words um, that you heard today. So we're going to talk about that. And then hopefully we're going to end up with how to make sure you're in the kingdom. Because that really matters. That's very important. All right. So the first thing is this. I want you to acknowledge today. I want you to hear that, that God is, Jesus is, the king of the world. That's a good place for an amen. I really want you to get that. I want, you to underst- I want you to understand that. Jesus is the king of the world. God is the king of the world. And beyond. And beyond. Now let me read to you again what the Southern Baptist Faith and Message said. The kingdom of God includes his general sovereignty. And the word sovereignty means reign. It means power. It means authority. It means rule. Okay? All right? The kingdom of God includes his general rule, authority, over the universe. Over the universe. Now I've got three scriptures I want to share with you today that talk about God's kingdom and His rule. Okay? Hopefully you'll get a little bit excited. Okay? The first one is Psalm 47, verse 6 through 8. Psalm 47, verse 6 through 8. Now you're going to notice right off the bat, and you can see it right there on the screen. The author starts out, starts out by saying, Sing praise to God, sing praise, sing praise to our God, sing praise. And you kind of want to go, ho, ho, ho! What's all the singing about? What's all the singing about? Well, have you ever arrived late for something? I mean, like really late? Like, you know, and you kind of walk in and you go, What's going on? Well, we're maybe arriving just a little bit late today. Okay? We may be arriving just a little late. So well, our our context might be, so What's going on? Why does the psalmist break into this, sing praise to our God, sing praise, sing praise to our King, sing praise? Well, do you remember? There was a story in the New Testament about two sons and a dad. You remember? And the younger son said, had enough, dad went out of here and he basically leaves home, takes his share of the money, leaves home Gets over there, and man, his world goes south. He finds himself in deep weeds. He's in a world of hurt. He's hungry. He's starving. Lost all of his money. Lost all of his friends. And finally wakes up and says, I think I will go home. So he goes home, tells the dad, man, I really messed up. I'm sorry. I turned from that. I don't want to do that anymore. And the father's welcome. He says, oh, we're so glad you're home. It's a great story. But the second part of the story is that the older, the guy who never left, the older son, was still home. Okay, And he's out like working and he's late for the party. He comes in and he hears, literally the Bible says, the story that it says, that he hears singing and music. And goes, what is going on? Well, that might be you today. You might be going, what's all the singing about? Well, we're going to find out. He says, sing praise to God, sing praise, sing praise to our King, sing praise. And then he says something that really caught my eye. Sing a song of wisdom. Sing a song of wisdom. So I said to myself, I said, what would that look like? What would a song of wisdom look like? Well, in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, there's a verse that we, we quote sometimes. Here's what it says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, if you're taking notes, you, you and you may know this, okay? But but write down that word fear. I always like to say this. You know, that word fear is not this. Oh no, help me! He's gonna kill me! He's gonna zap me! Okay, it's not that at all. It's a reverence. It's an awe. It's a wow factor. So so when when the when the when the uh, Solomon writes, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That word fear is the reverence and awe of God. Is the beginning of wisdom. And then he says, and then he says, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. In other words, you know, when we start understanding, you know, I hope that's what, what happens here, that you start understanding just how much God loves you, how, what He's done for you, who He is, who you are in Him. When you start understanding all of that, okay, that's like a, an epiphany for you. That, I, that happens so often when we sing. I, I, I hear words written by an author, and he puts it a certain way, and I, I go, wow. How, how incredible is that? So, so what I'm saying is, is that this song of wisdom, when the author says, sing, sing, praise the Lord, sing, sing a song of wisdom, he's telling us that what we sing should be sincere. See, we get all wrapped up what kind of songs we sing. That is not the issue. The sincerity of our heart is the issue. The sincerity of our heart is the issue. So, so when, when, when he says, when you sing to God, it should be a song of wisdom. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That word fear means awe and reverence. Okay? Every, every time we worship God should be a moment of awe and reverence. Yeah, that's a good amen place. It really See, y'all think this church thing is, you know, missing the lake or around a, a round of golf. You know, you come in and do your, your thing with God for an hour or an hour and 15 minutes, however long it happens to run. No, 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 no. When you gather in this room or that room or any room as a corporate body, you know, we are supposed to be all in reverence of who God is. I mean, we're just sitting there going, we're just supposed to go, how incredible. Wow. How wonderful. Okay? So, so he's saying all of that. And we should just be wrapped up in reverence and awe with God. And so now you've got to go, how come? Why? Why? Because he tells us. The second part of verse 7 says this. For God is king of the whole earth. Here's why we're singing. The God we serve is the king of the world. The God we serve is the king of the solar system. The God we serve is the king of the universe. The God we serve is king of everything. I mean, and here's the cool part. And listen, whoa, 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 whoa. It gets better. It gets better. Because not only is he the king, but he's the king that chose us. And not only is he the king who chose us, he's the God who loves us. And not only is he the king, who God who loves us, he's the God who sent his son to Jesus Christ to die for us. That's how much. That's how big it is. That's why we got to sing. Because not only is he God, He's our God. He's our personal God. Every person who puts their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. For God is king of the whole earth. Oh, and we need to remember this. Sometimes people will say to me, they'll go, um, Do you remember when you said Sunday? I said, Really? You really think I remember? <laughs> I, yo, why don't you preach on Sunday? Can I, I think about that for a minute? I don't know if it's 64 years or what. But I have a hard time remembering sometimes. Okay? Don't remember. We need to remember... That he's the king of the world, and when I'm talking about the king of the world, I really want to nail it down to this: If you are a Christ follower today, if you're a believer, a Christian, a Christ follower, you've made a commitment to Jesus Christ. He is your personal king. He's your personal king. That's that second part of that sovereignty thing. He's your particular king. He's your one and only king. We need to remember that. I I love this song. Um, I, you know, so again, like we changed the song for a reason because of this message. I'm so afraid you couldn't hear the words. I, I, I'm half deaf, literally. Listen. I tried to fit you in the walls inside my mind. Isn't you know that what we do? Don't we kind of like to squeeze God down to what we understand about Him? Let me tell you something. If you're foolish enough... To say, oh, I understand all about God. You're just not, you're wrong. You don't understand all about God. I mean, read Job. (laughs) You know, he he interviewed Job a lot. (laughs) You know, I try to fit you inside the walls of my, inside my mind. I try to keep you safely in between the lines. Oh, yeah, we do that with God. I try to put you in the box that I've designed. Don't we do that? Don't we put God inside the box and say, God, I like you when you don't fit inside my box? I try to pull you down so we are eye to eye. When did I forget that you've always been the king of the world? I try to take back right out of the hands of the king of the world. How could I make you so small when you're the one who holds it all? When did I forget that you've always been? The king of the world. Don't forget who you serve. You serve the king of the world. So he says in 47, again, For God is king of the whole earth. God reigns over the nations. Implied all the nations. And God is seated on his holy throne. I think about Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. Where where Isaiah says, in the the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I saw him high and lifted up, seated on a throne, and his train filled the room. When Isaiah saw God in his holiness, all he could say is, woe is me, for I am a sinful man. As the seraphim sang, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. When we sing our song, when we sing our song of worship, when we gather corporately, and when you gather in your quiet time today, get enraptured with who God is. That's what He wants us to do. He is. Is He the king of your world? Yeah. Thank you. That's right. Make sure He is. Don't give Him a providence to... Don't give him a providence to rule over. Don't give him a section of your world to rule over. He is the king of the world. Amen? Now, now the second scripture will help someone here today. Have you ever been in, like, deep weeds? Have you ever had a world of hurt in your life? Did you feel like you are on this boat and there were multiple holes in the hole and you were going down? Well, this is our friend today. The scripture is 2 Chronicles 20, verse 6. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 6. Now, how many of you have heard the phrase, Jumping Jehoshaphat! Raise your hand. Yeah, a lot of y'all have. Okay, well, this is the guy. This 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 is Jehoshaphat, okay? Now, here's the problem. He's a king, okay? And like multiple kingdoms, someone say kingdoms. Yeah, multiple kingdoms are coming to attack him. Okay, and so he has a come to Jesus meeting. Okay, literally, he comes and has a conference with God. All right, and here's what it says. He, Jehoshaphat, he said, Lord God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? Now, remember, he's looking outside the walls, seeing all these enemies coming against him, and he asked the question, are you not the God who is in heaven Here's the big one. And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? Including the ones outside the walls. That is a really good question. God, God, are you not the God who's in heaven? Well, yes. And do you not rule over... All the kingdoms in the nations, yes. Including the ones outside the walls, yes. That's true. Then he makes a declaration. Power and might are in your hand. And no one, how many? No No one can stand against you. Now, I want you to get this. I want you to grab hold of this. If you're in your world today, and you're in deep weeds, you're in a world of hurt. Your boat is sinking and you are a Christ follower. I want you to grasp the sovereignty of God. Whatever situation you in, you're in, God is aware of it and God has allowed it. Don't think he's going to abandon you. There may be some difficulties you need to go through, some, learn some lessons. OK, all things work together for good. Those who love God are the call according to his purpose. Romans chapter eight and verse twenty eight. But don't think he's forsaken you. Don't think he's mad at you. Don't think he's abandoned you. He's simply working in your life in a different way. He's working in your life. I, you, I know what you're saying. You're going, I don't want God to work that way. I like God to work in my way. My way is always peaches and cream. Yeah, but your way is not always best. See, God never messes up. Have you figured that out? See, the king of the world don't make mistakes. The king of the world don't make (laughs) boo-boos. The king king of the world never says, whoops, (laughs) didn't see that one coming. Come on now. That's the God you love and serve. He never makes a mistake. So Jehoshaphat looks at this and says, You rule all the kingdoms, including the ones in the world. So, so God doesn't control and God doesn't just work through some circumstances, He works through all. Does it hurt sometimes? Oh, yes. Some of you know that. You're there or just come out of there. Or you look on the horizon, you see a there coming. But you just need to remember He's the king of the world. Don't forget. When did I forget? you're the king of the world. Don't forget. Don't forget. No matter what's outside your walls, he's the king of that. Power and might are in your hand. And no one, no one, no one. Satan, Satan on his best day is a puppy at the feet of Jesus. Satan on his best day is a puppy at the feet of Jesus. No one can stand against you, because he is the King of the world. And then our third scripture is Philippians chapter two, verse nine through eleven. When Tyler was singing this song, I'm about to go. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Actually, at the time, I kind of did go hoo, 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 a little bit. It's so wonderful. Now, now get this. Now in Philippians two nine, you know it says for this reason for this reason. So whatever he's going to say, there's a reason for it. And if you look at verse number 8, I'll try to get close to right. It's it's where Paul writes about Christ and he says that he took on the appearance of a man and then he endured death, even the death on the cross. For that reason. Because because he took on the form of a man, okay? And then endured the cross, even death on the cross. Because of that, okay? For this reason, God highly exalted him. Someone said exalted. Well, how much how high did he exalt him? He highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. Like Tyler saying, your great name. Your great name. Your great name. God gave him that great name because of the sacrifice, because of his obedience on the cross. Woohoo, there is no other name like the name of Jesus. See, you need to know that. That's why this kingdom thing's so big. Cuz Satan's going to throw some names your way. He's going to say things like, "What if that person knew this?" Or, "What if she does that?" Or, "What if your child does that?" Well, see, the name you serve, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, is the greatest name. And know whatever name he throws at you, you've got a greater name. I mean, when you're playing Rummy, I was going to say poker, but that probably wouldn't be appropriate. You know, when you're playing Rummy and you've got four aces in your hand, you've got a pretty good hand. I'm trying to tell you you've got a good hand. There is no other name greater than the name of Jesus. And at that name, every Knee will bow. How many knees? Yeah, every knee is gonna bow. And in, in heaven, the, the the heavenly realm will bow. And every person ever to live on earth at one point in time is going to bow. In fact, he says, and those under the earth. Even the realm of the dead is going to bow. Every knee is how many? Yeah, there are no exceptions. You say, well, what about Hitler? Yeah, he's going to bow. Khomeini, yeah, mm, yeah, he's going to bow too. You pick your villain. You pick your villain. He's going to bow. Pick your bad guy. He's going to bow. Pick your powerful figure. He's going to bow. At the feet of Jesus, every knee will bow. And every tongue, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the He's the king of the world. Don't forget that. When you're in your crisis time, don't forget that. When you're in worship time, don't forget that. When you're serving Him, don't forget that. He is the king of the world, and yes, I'll say, and beyond. He's not limited by a world. Okay, let me give you just a couple minutes here. And I'm going to have to cut a little bit short on thought. Let me give you this. You've got to make sure that there's a kingdom entrance for you. you got to make sure there's a kingdom entrance. You know, I, I didn't teach you today about being a church member. I didn't teach you today about um, being religious. I talked about the kingdom, his sovereign rule, but I, several times I referenced the personal rule, the particular rule, the focused rule of God and his sovereignty in your life. How does that happen? How does that happen? Well, there's a wonderful scripture, and you now I'm sure somewhere in my past I've preached it. I know I have. I know I have. But it really just rung my bell this week. It's from Jesus, of all people. You know, and here's what, it's Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15 from the English Standard Version. Here's what it says. So, it gives us, he starts with a time frame. Now, after John was arrested, so that gives us a time frame. John the Baptist has been arrested and put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee, so it gives us a place. Jesus came into Galilee, and what's he doing? Proclaiming the gospel of God. Proclaim. <laughs> this is good. Where's, where you at, Dave? The good news is preaching the good news. <laughs> the good news is preaching the good news. Okay? And verse 15 and saying, The time is fulfilled. The time is now. The time is now. And the kingdom of God is at hand. It is here. You remember Dwight uh, 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 Dallas Willards um, was was his quote? That the face of Jesus is the human face on the kingdom of God. And he makes it concretely accessible. Okay? The kingdom of God is at hand. And here's what I loved. Repent and believe in the gospel. So, So when Jesus teaches the gospel, when Jesus when the good news teaches the good news, he says, repent and believe. That's so crucial. Repent and believe. Now, I've always taught you, and by the way, it's not a bad teaching. It's not a bad teaching. I've talked about repentance, means you're going one way and turning around and going another. Here, you're going on your path, your way, my day. You're Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. You're doing your thing. And then repent means you turn around and choose to do it God's way. That's good. That's right. But I really like what I've heard several times recently. It's a change in direction, but it's a changing of your mind. It's a changing of your mind, and you change your mind from from the fact that I'm a sinner who cares to I'm a sinner and God cares. You know, it's repentance means you know I can do it my way. I need to do it God's way. So so when Jesus says repent, he says change your mindset. Change your mindset and believe. Believe in what? Believe the gospel. Believe the Bible says you are a sinner. You are a sinner. And there's nothing you can do about that. You are lost and you're fast approaching hell on your own. And then the Bible says that Jesus comes. And the wages of sin was death. And so Jesus willfully dies on a Roman cross, endures the wrath of God. Now don't let this, I know you've heard this before, but don't let it go over your head. Endures the wrath of God. He cries out and says, it is finished. And he yields his spirit. In other words, he gives his spirit up. They didn't kill him. He willed himself to die. Okay? Well, they put him in a tomb. And do you all understand what happened three days later? Yeah, he really, his, his dead body started breathing again. That dead body, that stone-cold dead body went... And he came back to life. And when Jesus says believe, he said, put your weight, put your trust, put your faith in what I did. Repent, turn from what you were and what you are to me and believe what I've done. He preached the gospel of the good news. Didn't mention church. Didn't mention religion. Didn't mention being baptized. Didn't mention good works. Didn't mention giving money. He just says, turn from what you are to me and believe. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you're here today, and just fixing to lose the radio, but if you're here today, and you're going, you know what? I heard you, Dwayne. He may be the king of the world, but he's not my king. Well, he wants to be. He doesn't care how rich or poor you are, black, white, green, or yellow. where your social status? What's your address and what kind of car you drive? He loves you. And he died for you. And today, the ki- today, the king of the world says, come. Says, come. And that's what we do at the end of the service. We give you that opportunity to respond. My friend Brent's going to be standing down front. Our team's going to come, and we're going to sing a song together. And this is your time. This is your time to say, Jesus, I want you to be my king. And, Brother Brent, we got some friends who will tell you more details about how that can happen. And, and if you're here today and you've already trusted Jesus, you're know, you already Christ follower, kind of tag on that question I asked in the middle of the service. Is he your king? Don't give him a providence. He wants, no, he needs, he wants, he demands. That's better. He demands all your life. So if there's something in your life that you're holding back on, the king wants it. The king wants it. There should be, and by the way, it's always best. This king knows best every time. Some kings have ruled and not had the best interest of people, their servants in mind. This king has your best interest at heart mind. So maybe there's something you need to surrender today to the king of the world. Or maybe you just need to worship. Maybe you just need to worship the king of the world. Let's pray. Well, Father, thank you very much for this privilege to share these truths today. Holy Spirit, I am asking you right now to take my attempt at words, Father, to magnify, make it clear in the hearts of men, women, and children. If there is a person here today who has not made that decision to repent, to turn from, and turn to, and believe, may today be that day. Give them the courage to walk out and ask more questions. Give them the courage to say yes to the king of the world today. And God, there's a whole bunch of people in this room, including myself. And we sure have a tendency sometimes to forget that you're the king. So I just want to pray, Father, right now that you'll remind us and call us, remind us and call us to that kind of repentance, to submission and surrender to you as the king of our lives, the king of the world. Have your way as this is your time.